Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the fourth audio-exclusive Talk Norwich City podcast. It brings me an unbelievable amount of pleasure. I can't begin to tell you how excited I am to have this man with us today. Player of the season winner, Ipswich Destroyer, and of course, Buzz Lightyear lookalike, and a good friend of mine, Lee Croft. Crofty, how are you doing, buddy? All right, lads. I'm good, mate. Thank you. How 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 long has it taken you to get your arse in gear and get on this podcast? Uh, mate, I've tried to meet up with you uh, for away games, <laughs> but you're never there. Mate, I'm too busy these days. I'm too busy these days. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, mate, thanks so much for coming on. I, I really appreciate it. Um, we're, Don't worry. I mean, I, I feel very fortunate to obviously know you and, and be a mate and catch up and stuff, but I'm just delighted that you're finally obviously able to jump on and, and share your story with the Norwich fans because I think... There's been, there's been, uh, I think it's fair to say it's been a little bit mixed. You know, s- some fans loved you, some fans thought you useless, um, and we'll go into little, <laughs> we'll go, we'll go into that, mate, and um, hopefully we'll get, we'll get through some, through some of your famous stories along the way. So, Crofty, let's start, if it's okay with you, mate. Uh, let's start right back from the beginning. Um, you've probably shared this story a million and one times, but I think it's important for Norwich fans to know the sort of pedigree that we're talking to here. Go back to Manchester City and yeah. let's then flow into your time in the England youth ranks. Manchester City, go. Cool. Uh, yeah, signed there at 12. Uh, obviously, come through the uh, youth team there, which was uh, a great a great time in my career. Um, and then had a little loan spell at Oldham when I was 18. Um, come back from there and then made my debut on a cold Monday night against Bolton. Of course you did. Of course you did. How 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 and how was it turning out for Manchester City, mate? How how was that? It was a huge club. Yeah, it was amazing, mate. Because obviously, growing. I mean, I was a Liverpool fan, um, but obviously, when you sign for a club so young at twelve years old, you go to all the games at Main Road, and you know you become a Manchester City fan as well. So to be there from twelve to then, you know, mm. break into the first team as you know, as a lot of the lads will be experiencing at Norwich at the moment. You know, these youth team boys coming through and doing really well. You know, yeah, it's honestly a feeling that you can't beat and. Also, I'd say for the fans as well, it's great to see one, you know, uh, one of their own come through the academy and come into the first team. I think as, as a set of fans, there's nothing they like more than that. Well, go, go on then. So let's let's briefly go to present day. Let, let's talk about the likes of Max Ahrens, Todd Cantwell, Ben Godfrey, all being called up to the England under-21 setup. How will those boys be feeling right now, mate? Oh, they'll be buzzing, you know. As much as they'll be buzzing anyway, you know, playing... You know, playing in the championship the last year or so, and then you know, with the promotion under the belt, you know, that would have been amazing for them at that young age. And you know, now turning in week in, week out in the Premier League, you know, it's a dream come true for them. And it's good that they're getting acknowledged for the performances and getting into the England under 21s. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure for quite a few of them that you know they'll make that next step, step up to the England senior side if they keep doing what they're doing. No, it's absolutely brilliant to talk to you specifically during the international break for, for the reason and I'm not sure uh, uh, not enough people know this that you are the if not one of the most capped England youth players of all time right yeah well that was a stat I've not I haven't checked up on it in a while <laughs> <laughs> shut up you love it you love I think it. it was me I think it might have been me and Michael Owen I think I just oh really 
Who's who's Michael Owen? Ah, he's not as good as Lee Croft, that's for sure. Um, mate, when you're playing for England, regardless of what age group it is, because you, you look, you, you've you've played for England under 16s, 17s, 18s, 19s, and 20s. Yeah. What does that do in terms of pressure as as a young footballer? How how do you feel pulling on on those three lines? Uh, I don't know. I think it's a good pressure. I think you, you know, if you're recognised as one in as you're growing up, you know, it's hard as a as a young player because you know, first of all, you've got to get picked up from a professional club. Then you've got to go in there. Then you've got to be the best out of your team in the, you know, in your club. Then to get recognised for England, then you've got to get in that team, and then you try and be the best for them. So you know, it's a, it's like a domino effect. But playing for your country, obviously, you get recognised. It might add a little bit more pressure on you from, you know, maybe fans at the club who see you coming through and playing for the England mm. youth teams and see, you know, a young talent and they expect to see you in the first team, you know, pretty soon. But sometimes that doesn't happen. You know, it took for me to go on long to League One to hold them to then eventually make that next step into the first team. So there's different ways it can go. But, uh, you know, for me, there's no greater, you know, privilege or honour than to, to play for England. And what... Uh, so uh, after that England youth experience, it w- was that when your career sort of took off? Because obviously you went to Oldham for a little bit before the move to Norwich. W- was yeah. w- what? What was the kind of the key moment in your career that you would say, from your personal point of view, when was the moment that you thought, right, I'm going to kick on now? Um, probably, yeah, probably that that little spell at Oldham when I was just 18, turning 19. And you're playing first-team football and you're playing games that mean something to people. Um, and then, obviously, I think that went well. Uh, luckily enough, you know, the manager, Kevin Keegan at the time, noticed what I was doing there. Um, and then, you know, from then on, I was in and around the, the City first team for the next two years. Then, mainly, you know, coming off the bench, um, mm. I had a little little run of starts. Um Got a little goal in there too, which was nice. So yeah. you know, just to have that, just to have that couple of years' experience in the Premier yeah. League, you know, it was amazing. And you know, and then obviously from there, um, Norwich. Lee, what's Norwich it, bought me, mate? What's it been like for you looking at Man City now? Because obviously you were there prior to the Rags and Riches turning up. What was yeah. it? What was it like seeing all of that oil money pumped in, and the whole club has been transformed? But let's let's be real, it was a completely different scene when you were there. Do, do you feel almost a bit annoyed that, that, that you missed that boat? What, what's it been like watching Man City <laughs> oh. kind of transform? No, do you know what? I'm buzzing for them because I think, you know, for City, especially for the City fans, because, the, you know, what they went through, you know, going down to, well, the equivalent of League One and still getting 30,000 in League One against Mansfield at home. And, you know, they've been through the mire. So for... If it was going to happen to a club or one of a few, I would pick Manchester City because the fans are so you no, know, so loyal and turned out in the numbers, even in in you know mm-hmm. Division Two, and you know it's great for them to you know have that money coming in and for the success that it's brought them, it's it's amazing. No, it must be interesting to see. That's for sure, mate. So let's let's fast forwards, let's zip forwards now to the most interesting part for Norwich fans, of course, which is when you finally rock up at Norwich City and put on that yellow and green jersey. So it's rumoured that you signed for six hundred to seven hundred thousand pounds, which is interesting. I, d- I didn't know that that was the exact figure. Um, yeah. What was what was the process like of being transferred to Norwich? How did you feel walking in Colney Gates for the first time? And were there any other clubs in for you? Uh, yeah, there was quite a few because um, I think at the time I just remember Stuart Pierce getting having me in his office one morning at training, um, and he told me that um, you know 
he couldn't guarantee me that I was going to play a lot of football. You know, I'd be in and around the first team, but and he basically said, you know, as a father figure, I would tell you to go to Norwich because, you know, you need to go out, you need to get games, wow, you, need to interesting. Play regu- you need to play regularly. Um, he spoke really well of Norwich. I'm sure his his mum or dad was from Norwich or lived in Norwich before. Um, and yeah, there was a couple of teams interested, but to be honest, like as soon as I turned up at Norwich, um, I come down on a nice summer's day. So, you know, that's <laughs> right down there. It's amazing. Um, I had a look around Colney with Nigel Worthington and Dougie Livermore. Um, I met, met the lads. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I watched the pre-season game. You played Newcastle um, at a night game at Carroll Road. I was just like, yeah, like, Class. it's just for me. Um, what were your first impressions, mate? Mate, what was your, what was your was, first impression of Colney, Carroll Road? Because particularly, I'm interested, I mean, obviously it goes without saying Carroll's an exceptional stadium. I'll get your, your, your yeah. first impressions on that. But, it's been very recently that Colney has been redeveloped. There's been a lot of money pumped into that. Was it as bad as people were making out? No, no, it wasn't. You know, the pitches were nice. There's plenty of pitches there. You know, we had a, you know, dated but nice dressing room, games room, nice, you know, dining room with the chefs. No, it was a proper setup, and you know, I'd love to see what it's like now because you know they've spent money on it, and it's, you know, it's meant to be uh, a lot nicer now. But no. That was another factor for me because I come from Manchester City and, you know, being used to good facilities and stuff and, you know, going to Colney and seeing that and then mm. going to Carroll Road. It was just, it was a no-brainer for me. And then a word on Carroll Road. What's it like to play in that sort of stuff? I mean, if, it's it's interesting that you should bring up about Main Road and Manchester City and 30,000 fans in League One because it's exactly the same for, for Norwich. You know, we went yeah. down to League One. It's a full house. We're packed out. We've then come up again into the into the Premier League. What, what was it like playing at Carroll Road as, as Lee Croft? Uh, no, it was amazing. You know, I mean, I think I was lucky enough um, you know, I never actually, I played at Main Road in the Youth Cup, but all my senior games was at the Etihad, the new stadium. So, you know, playing in front of them was brilliant. But then coming to Norwich, you know, uh, playing in front of full houses at Carroll Road every single week, you know, no matter how well you were doing, no matter how poorly the team was doing, you know, you know that the fans are going to be there and the numbers. And I think I've been lucky in that respect throughout my career, you know, with Man City, Norwich, and then moving on to Derby as well. They were all really big. Yeah, well supported, well supported clubs. Absolutely, mate. Right, so you had 131 appearances for Norwich. You scored yeah. nine goals. Are you happy with that? Were you? Are you satisfied with your career I, at Norwich City? Uh, I would have. I would have liked to have scored more goals. Um, definitely. Um, I think you know the one thing about Norwich for me was I. I, I wished I would have been involved in a team that was. You know, like previous teams with what Hooks was involved in, you know, when you're going for promotion. You know, we never really had that in my my time at Norwich. It, we were always mm. like either mid-table or, you know, obviously we had a one or two seasons where things didn't go our way. And, you know, we had some good players as well. And it was frustrating that it never really, never really clicked for us. Yeah, it is. And I, and I think that that's an interesting point, mate, because a lot of people, um, it's funny, isn't it? Because I think you can be... I think you could be an average in any football team. You could be an average player, but if your team around you are gunning for promotion, it doesn't matter what quality you are. You're always remembered as a hero. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of players in your, I'm going to call it your era at Norwich City, I think have struggled with actually. There's, there was a real good 
core of individuals there, but because the team weren't successful, unfortunately, you're not remembered as as, as much as as the others. But anyway, I love you dearly, yeah. so that's all that matters, mate. Yeah, but that that that's that's understandable though. You know, you know, fans love you know glory. They love promotions, and you know, if you're not involved in a team that doesn't yeah that doesn't have that, then you're never going to be thought of as you know what them players that who have achieved them highs with the fans. So, mate, uh, really interesting point that I really wanted to kind of uh get some more detail on from you was you've actually been you've played under quite quite a handful of managers at Norwich because obviously Worthy brought you in and then yeah. you had Glenn Roder and then you had Peter Grant and then you finished up yeah. with Norwich legend Brian Garton. I yeah. I'm fascinated to to learn a little bit more from you about who who was your favorite manager to work under who did you get on with who did you struggle with uh okay um Really enjoyed Nigel and Dougie Livermore. Really good people, obviously. Had great times at Norwich. Um, what was it about Worthy, and, mate? What was it about Worthy that, that you liked so much? You know, just a really nice guy. And, like, I liked his mannerism. I liked the way he was with the players. Um, he was respected. And, obviously, you know, he did great at Norwich, didn't he? You know, previous Absolutely, to, yeah. You know, the, the year that he left. But... Yeah, no, really. You know, he was probably a big reason, another, you know, big influence why I signed, along with, as I mentioned before, the calibre of players there was there at the time. You know, I went in being told I was going to play with, you know, myself, Robert Earnshaw and Darren Huckabee as a front three. And if you're going into that, you're thinking, right, we've got a right chance here. But as I said to you, it just didn't click and it wasn't to be. And he had that uh, fantastic but... celebration, didn't he? And I always remember, right, <laughs> I always remember, I'm sure you're going to have a story on this. We'll come back to managers, isn't it? Let's just go off on a tangent. Robert Earnshaw had that Hummer with the spinner wheels, didn't oh, he? Oh, my talk, gosh, talk to me about yeah. that. What a joke mate, of a motor. <laughs> mate, one of the best things I've ever seen with that. We was it. We went swimming doing a cool down. Uh, I can't remember what gym we used to use. And because uh, his, um, his drive was on the other side because in his big stupid Hummer. <laughs> so he was like, he was in the left-hand side drive. And obviously, he would come up to a barrier at the gym. So he had to lean over and he had to open the window. He had to press the buzzer to get in. As he's leaned over, because he's so small, his foot's gone off the uh, brake. He's just smashed no. smashed the barrier down in the hammer. Yeah. Oh, it was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Oh, I man. Said, That'll teach you for being flash and driving an American car. He turned up to my, I'm going to make this, I think it was under 14s or under 15s, Pouring Land Wonders trophy announcement. And all of the kids were, because he didn't, he didn't keep it clean. All of the kids were drawing their initials. In, in the spinner wheels of his Hummer. Anyway, yeah. we digress. Back to football managers. Managers. So you'd finished with Worthy. Um, yeah. What about here's one very mixed bag of um, opinions on on this man, Glenn Roder. Well, I'd say, do you know what? It was a, if you, it depends during my time there. It would depend when you asked me that question because I'd say at the beginning um, didn't really like the way he was with the players. Um, didn't really like the way he talked to the players. Um, you know, he was a bit, you know, I thought he was a bit of a horrible guy. But I think, you know, towards towards the end of his tenure, like I'd won him over and I was playing all the time. And, you know, I'd become one of the players that he actually liked and I actually mm. enjoyed it towards the end. 
But if you would have asked me at the beginning, it would have been completely the opposite. It's interesting with Rhoda, isn't it? Because when we will get onto it in the moment, but you had that moment under Glenn Rhoda. But anyway, we'll leave that one aside for the moment. And then another another man is Peter Grant. So we've had Fozzie on earlier on this week and, and, and Fozzie, Mark Fotheringham. And if you've not listened to that already, TNC fans, get yourself over to this one. Over you right, finish I with... I guarantee you, Fozzie, Fozzie loved him because he's Scottish. Yeah, exactly right. So Fozzie <laughs> loved him. with cause, Okay, so, so did you not get on with Peter Grant? No, no, I did get. Re- you know what? Really, really nice guy. Um, off the field, he could never have wished for a you know a better manager. Really like, nice. Off the off the field, honestly, he was brilliant. He was great with you. He was a family man. He appreciated you know different situations. Because um, he didn't have Saturday, a lot of mate, mate. He didn't have a good reputation with Norwich fans. Peter Grant. Why was that? Do no, you think? he. Did, I don't know. I think probably just because we didn't do well enough. Yeah. Um, I don't think we did well enough, and I think as a manager coming from he had the right he had great ideas he'd come up obviously from working with youth football um you know but all the lads really enjoyed working for him he had that on a saturday he could change and you might think look that's not the peter grant i know that's not the manager that i'm used to during the week but that happens that happens to managers you know the Mm. pressure of a saturday and getting the three points but no i enjoyed working with peter and then peter goes sour and then bona fide legend mr brian gunn Takes yeah. takes the job, impossible job. Some may say, um, trying to trying trying to save the team in 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 the last in the last few games of the season. Really, what was it like working under Gunny? Did did you did you feel the pressure of the fact that he was a legend, so it had to work? Did you feel that pressure as a player? Didn't really feel that pressure. Although when you look at it now, you think you know someone can someone's reputation can be tainted. You know, someone who's a legend like Gunny is there. You know, one thing you never want is for him to take over as manager. Um, you know, and be getting booed and be, you know, wanting to the fans wanting him to be sacked. You know, you never want a legend to you know go through that, and it's a shame that mm. you know he was he was sacked the way, especially the way he was sacked. But um, so you know, I remember it was it was it his first game that we played at home and we won. I think we won five nil. I think and, so. Uh, yeah, I'm and pretty I remember sure. Thinking, was it away well, to yeah, Oville? I'm looking at my, no, no, my no. producer Max at this point. I mean, you're saying no, so I trust you, Crofty. I should have done my research. I think it, I think <laughs> it was his first game. Uh, it was at home at Carroll Road and we won 5-0. I can't remember who it was against. And that's when and, the Norwich yeah. fans said that we wanted him to get the job, wasn't it? I remember yeah, that. Yeah, well, that's when that's when we said. I remember after the game, I think um, uh, one of the directors come in and I remember all the lads saying, right, give him the job till the end of the wow. season. You know, look, what, look what we've just done there. Give him it. Give wow. him the job. Because we all... Because we all liked him, um, yeah. and, you know, probably thought, well, you know, if we've got someone that we want to work for and we want to play for, mm. then you know it'll work. But as as you say, it was a it was a tough ask for Gunny to come in and and turn it around. Absolutely, Crofty. Um, I think I, I I can predict what your answer will be, but you might surprise me if you could go back to a single moment in the famous yellow and green. What would it be? You know, Chris. Right, good. You know what it would be. <laughs> good, right. Well, let's talk about that goal versus those noisy neighbours. You're 25 year- yards out. And by the way, here we go. Let, let's just have a little pause here. For all of the young supporters that are listening to this right now, you need to search Lee Croft Ipswich Town into YouTube and watch this goal. It's 25 yards out and it's an absolute pile driver into the top bins for me personally it's the best derby day goal i've ever witnessed at carrow road 
And you know what I loved, mate? And you know what? I'm just sharing you the compliments now, but I can't resist. I've waited for this moment for far too long. It was, <laughs> it was the, it wasn't the goal. And, and, and it wasn't the goal. And, and Norwich fans, again, search Lee Croft, Ipswich Town, 1-0. And it was <laughs> and it was the little 1-0 behind your back to the Ipswich fans that yeah. was just, it was it was iconic. It was iconic. How, <laughs> mate, how, how did it feel scoring that goal against Ipswich? Oh, it was amazing. Um, obviously, I, you know, you know I, I kind of felt like I'd, you know, become a Norwich fan during my time there, and I loved it there. I loved the club. I knew what the rivalry meant to, you know, to the fans to beat Ipswich. So, you know, to get to get that moment and to, you know to have a strike, you know, especially as you say, when I didn't score many goals, but to to have a have a have a dig and you know for it to fly into the top corner in front of the in front of the Barclay and you know to win that game, it was uh, it was amazing. And then I remember the celebration. I remember I think it was I think it was after the go- after the goal. I went to take a throw in. And um, I was just getting dogs abuse from the Ipswich <laughs> fans in that corner. So I just put uh, the little one nil sign to him behind my back. And <laughs> I, think, I think a few of them wanted to kill me. <laughs> well, mate, I'm pleased you did it. I, th- I thought it was iconic, mate. I love you for that. Yeah. I always will. And um, actually, you know what? There's a really nice. Uh, there's a really nice segue here, actually, which is that, of course, during that game, the uh, the one and only Matty Patterson scored against Ipswich that day as well in that yeah, game under Glenn Rader. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Matty Patterson, you've got a story to tell about Matty Patterson, haven't you? Yeah, you remember it well, Chris. It was a, it, oh, I've had some good stories. I've had some good, funny moments during my time at Norwich. But Patter, he was one in a million, that lad. And, you know, he got nicknamed, he got nicknamed Party Patter. So you can... <laughs> <laughs> so you can imagine what he was like. He liked a night out. Yeah. He liked to go out with the boys. And that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, one Sunday, I remember I woke up um, and someone phoned me and they were like, oh, Pat has been arrested. He's in, he's, in, he's in prison. And I was like, what do you mean he's in prison? So apparently he'd gone out on the Saturday night, um, you know, as he liked to do, party patter. Yeah. And um, he's, he's been out and he's thought, I think, like two, three, two, three o'clock, he's thought, oh, no, I, I've got training in the morning. Like, I need to get home. Oh, like, my God. I, we're in in a few hours. Like, that's enough for me. So he's jumped in his car. <laughs> he's, drove, he's drove home steaming. Oh, no. Um, oh, so no. He's got, he's, the best thing is, he's gone to bed, got himself, he must have set his alarm, got himself up. He's still that drunk. He's not put pants on. He's just got his wife front on. He's got in his car, <laughs> drove to training. Been followed to training by the police, pulled oh over. Oh, God. Police get out, breathalyzing, blah, blah, blah. And then Patter realizes that we didn't even have training on that Sunday oh morning. We were off. Oh, my God. What, I mean, <laughs> mate, what, <laughs> that's just unbelievable. What, what was he like? He must have been mortified. Oh, he must have been absolutely devastated. You know, you even it makes it just ten times worse the fact that we didn't have training. You know, he didn't yeah. need to be in the car <laughs> with, with his wife runs in a t-shirt. Oh, on. He mate. could have been in bed. Oh, mate, we're gonna have to get we're gonna have to get a couple more of your stories before we finish. That's for sure. Um, so so go on then. Speaking of of, of other players, um, worst dressed player in the dressing room, please. Um, hooks. Oh, Adam Drury as well. He wasn't great. Really? What was his like, club, what was his clubber like? Um, Drew Ads would dress like an old man, <laughs> and and pretty similar to Hook actually. Yeah, he dressed like an old man as well. But oh, really? They were getting, they were getting, but two great players by the way, both of them. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I remember I, I still, bellowing, "You'll never I still beat think, the Drury." 
Adam Drury is the best left back I play with. Really? That's a big statement. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I mean, Drury had Ronaldo in his back pocket when Man United came to Carrow So um, that that speaks Mate, you, tremendous you, volumes. You couldn't you couldn't take Adam Drury on. Like if if you beat him, you you wouldn't get away from. He was incredible. Best one one v one defender. And Joe, you know I think Hux would agree with me as well. On he was incredible. Go on then, Hux. Give me a few words on Hux. What was he like? Because I mean, everyone talks about. Every time we speak to a former Norwich player, they talk about Hux, the athlete. I mean, all I see these days is Hux smashing the beer Moretti's down his local pub and <laughs> playing in the Vets League. Uh, I don't know about this athlete, but I mean, you know, j- a few words on Hux from you, Crofty. Um, amazing, obviously, Norwich legend. Um, biggest nose in football by far. Um, <laughs> he, he was just, he was a great help for me, to be fair. You know, when I come down, he knew of me from City. He was a little bit before my time at City. And when I come down, I was lucky enough, you know, he kind of looked after me. And, you know, I met his wife, Lindsay, and, you know, he, they were really good to me. And he was a good family, aren't he, they? He was a big, big part of, you know, me being at Norwich. He was a re- real help and a, and a good friend. Um, but, yeah, he's he's stitched me up a couple of times as well. I forgot about the Man City link. So go on then. Let's talk about these stitch ups then. Give me a Hux Crofty story, please. A Hux Crofty story. I'm trying to think of the best one, mate. If he didn't like my clothes, he used to set them on fire. No, really. One, lad, one time I had these jeans D and G. Right, they were fantastic. I walked outside. I seen the gone, so I walked around the corner outside. I seen hooks. He'd poured petrol, all like did a line of petrol, and I just seen, and he lit the petrol, and I was like, "What is he doing?" So I've seen this flame going towards, and my jeans are just sat there at the end of the trail, just set on fire. <laughs> and you were watching but this live. I was just watching it, yeah. But oh do you know what? God. He bought me a new pair of jeans, so it was all right. Oh, good. Well, um, he is he is then, a legend. The, there's one more classic what he did to me as well, which I think you might have. Heard. I think he talked about it in his book. But uh, I, when I took a, have you heard the one where I took that? I took a girl out and go I on, asked him where to go. Oh, I have. But go on, share it with the audience already if they haven't heard it. So I, I asked him where to go because he's like a native and he knows where to go the best places. So and he got so <laughs> I should have clocked on because then he said to me, right, do you want to borrow my car? Because I had a Range Rover at the time. He said, do you want something a bit faster to pick her up? In? So I said, right, yeah. <laughs> So he <laughs> give me a six four five six years BMW. So little did I know. So he's booked the the restaurant for me. He's given me his car. So I didn't know at the time. So basically, what he'd done, he followed me to the restaurant, knew where I was going, knew what time I was eating. Him and Craig Fleming. So he <laughs> he'd followed me there with a pane of glass, and his oh. intention was to smash the pane of glass and rob his car back with his spare keys. So I thought that the car had been robbed, but luckily. <laughs> Luckily for me, like, I didn't really like the, the girl who I was out with, so I like rushed through my meal and I got out before he got there. <laughs> and he Man, was absolutely, he was devastated. Do you know what he did? He chased me to Great Yarmouth when I was taken aback in Flem's car. Really? And he, he, said, he could, said he couldn't catch me. I was driving too fast. <laughs> Mate, you are, you are. Tell you what, this this is a bit of a Chris Reeve-Leecroft private, but let's share it with the world. What, what point did you buy that Audi R8 on the business? Uh, mate, that's not, <laughs> mate, that's not the best one. My, I had a DB9 after that. Did you? Because I remember, yeah. I remember very well you uh, you going to pick up my brother from karate in your Audi R8. 
And do you know what is right? Here's another classic Lee Croft, Chris Reed memory, right? So for, for the Talk Norwich City listeners now, I was a terrible footballer. I was bad. I'll hold my hand up. I was shocking. Left wing. I was always the last one picked for the team. And one week, my manager, youth manager at the time, I'll save his dignity on this podcast. He left me on the, on the wall. So he picked out all the players. He left me on the wall. And my dad watched this. And my dad was absolutely furious, red with rage. So he picks up the phone to this man that we're listening to right now, Crofty, and says, Crofty, I need a favour, mate. You need to come down to my son's training session and you need to give my son the biggest load of praise you've ever given him. So so here happens, Pouring Land Wanderers, God knows when, I'll say under 14s, <laughs> Lee Croft rocks up in his Audi R8 and he's clapping me and he's going, go on, I'm absolutely shit, by the way. And Lee, and Lee Croft's standing there and he's clapping me and, he, and he's clapping, he's going, oh, Chris, man of the match, absolutely brilliant. And I remember at the time, my youth manager was absolutely mortified. So I must, I must thank you. <laughs> mate, I must, I must thank you for that. I really, really do. Um, mate, Chris, let's, I'm let's... Sure, uh, Chris, I'm sure you... I'm sure you clapped me from the stands when I had bad games at night. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Mate, of course I bloody did. I sticked up for you. I tell you what is, oh God, this is, oh God, I'm just going to have to have another little Crofty Revo private now. What is your obsession with cauliflower cheese? Because the amount of times you rocked up to my house after a game asking for cauliflower cheese. Because your dad makes the best cauliflower cheese ever and you know what sometimes it was nice i used to like it on a saturday night like i got on obviously really well with your dad you were young at the time but sometimes it was nice you know the lads would go out and sometimes you know because i used to work so hard chris in the 90 minutes i just used to like to chill yeah and come over to yours and like use like we're kind of like a family away from home and your your grandparents as well and it was just a really nice place oh mate stop it how are your mum and dad by the way quickly they're good mate they're good <laughs> good love them to bits anyway right. right so let's let's get let's get serious now um let's talk about the end of your time at Norris City, if we may, which is we get relegated to League One. How did that feel? Oh, horrific. Um and you know, obviously I got you know, that was the season that I got player of the year, but you know, it was really tainted. Obviously it was still such a great honour to be, you know, on that trophy with some of the names that I'm on there with, but you know, to be on it and you know, but to been marred by the relegation and mm. yeah, mate i mean i don't want to get personal but i'm gonna get personal here i get the impression that you probably live in regret a little bit that you didn't stay at norwich is that fair wait 100 percent. i know people say like you know you know hindsight's a wonderful thing and you know this, this is one of the reasons why I think, you know, in the future, I'd like to work with young players and work, you know, on the mentoring side of things, because, you know, I feel like I've been through a lot of good times, bad times and, you know, made decisions that, you know, at the time you think's right. But looking back, you, sh- you shouldn't have done. And, mm. you know, sometimes, you know, Derby was closer to home. Yeah, uh, true. Very true. It's a good point. I didn't think about that. Very true. It was closer to home. Norwich had been relegated. My contract ran out. Norwich couldn't offer me even a third of what Derby were offering really? me. And, but, yeah, but you can't, looking back now, worst decision I ever made. And, you know, maybe made for the wrong reasons. Maybe I should have given it. I remember sitting down with Brian Gunn and Neil Doncaster at the time and they were doing all they could to keep me. And, you know, to feel wanted like that and have, you know, as you said before, mm. the majority of the Norwich fans have a rapport with them. Um, you know, it was 100% and it hurt. The next year when I was watching Norwich do well, 
yeah, obviously I want them to do well, but I just remember thinking I used to still speak to Wes Houlihan and I'd speak to the boys there and I'd just be like, wow, I wish that I would have stayed and been part of that. And, you know, I think it was two consecutive promotions on the bounce after that. So yeah. you know, it, it was, uh, yeah, it was devastating because, you know, the way they were talking to me that they wanted me there in league one to be, you know, one of the players to get, to help get yeah. them back up and, you know, one that, you know, I'd just got play of the season. So they wanted to keep me, mm. um, but you know, 100%. Well, at least, mate, at least you're upfront and honest about it. Cause a lot of people would pretend that it doesn't hurt, but it clearly still hurts you to this day. Mate, anyone, anyone who would say that that, that that doesn't hurt a liar because when you when you leave a club that you've had an amazing three years at um you know and as i said before and you've got such good relationships with people there with the club with with the fans as well and, you know i was feeding you, you know, cauliflower cheese every other week mate i mean i'm pretty pissed <laughs> off still actually in fact get off my podcast <laughs> <laughs> but i feel you know i feel like that kind of tainted a lot of fans with me as well uh you know maybe ones that did really like me mm. at the time you know obviously i'd personally had an all right season that year and then i think when i left there was a few sour grapes and people you know were judging me for mm. leaving and jumping jumping ship and you know i got a few tweets the next year or so saying no this could have been you yeah you weren't the only one it was the exact same sammy Klingon did it a few of the boys left us didn't they uh you know, I know. wes had offers you know at, and the time, at the time it's hard because Obviously, I wish I would have stayed and I wish I would have just took less money and got the promotion back up the year after. But, you know, at the same time, when you're a, you're a young lad, you're 24, your contract runs out. And as brutal as it sounds, when you get offered so much more money, it, it is hard. It does turn your head. Yeah, man, but, I can imagine that. Yeah, but, absolutely. But, but as I say, if I could roll back the, the time now, a million percent, you know, I would have liked to have played at nights for the rest of my career. Do you think, I was going to say that, mate, actually, I've actually listened to you in previous interviews before describe Norwich as a home. Do do you still feel like that with Norwich? Oh, of course, yeah. That's probably my, you know, I I love my time at City, Um, obviously, because I was there for like 10 years, going through the academy and getting into the first team, living in Manchester as a young lad, that was amazing. But, you know, the, the three years that, I had at Norwich were probably my favourite years in football, yeah. Oh mate, incredible to hear. Okay, so um you've you've then you've then gone to Derby, you've 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 done what you've done there. Um you've been at a few clubs since Norwich. I'm particularly interested in one particular topic which has been discussed previously on our podcast, which is actually about the um the SPL. Um yeah. I've criticized it. Um, I personally believe there is a golfing class between definitely between the Premier League and the SPL. Um, I mean, I've I've watched four or five um, Celtic games, actually, one of which was against Norwich in pre-season. I personally felt there was a wee bit in golfing class. Maybe it's changed. You've been up there more recently than I've watched um, the SPL. What, what's it like playing up there? What's what's the class up there? Because obviously you've played. Uh, you've played in the championship week in week out, mate. Um, what was it yeah. like? Do you know what? It's a, it's good. Um, you know, it, I can imagine. You know, if you're playing for a Celtic or a Rangers and you're playing in front of fifty, sixty thousand every week, every home game, then you know you buzz. It's, it's amazing. But there's there's kind of like it's kind of like a two tiered thing. You know, you've got Celtic Rangers. You know, Hearts are well supported. Hibs are well supported, and Aberdeen. 
And then you've got like the maybe five, six, seven, whatever, however many other teams who, you know, you then go from that, which will be like Celtic Rangers, like Premier League clubs, yeah. maybe not on the pitch, but but stature-wise. Yeah. You've got Hearts, Hearts, Hibs, Aberdeen, probably Championship, uh, Championship-sized clubs. And then you've got the rest, which mm. are kind of like probably League One. Interesting. So there's a massive, there's a massive variation in the size of the clubs there. Um, I think, you know, people say could Celtic, could Rangers play in the Premier League. With the size of the club, they should be there because of the fan base and the, the yeah. you know how big the club is. But footballing wise, yeah, nowhere near. Uh, but if they were in the Premier League in England and they had the backing and they had the Sky money, then I think they would be a force. That is a, that that is a very interesting shout. Totally agree, mate. Um, okay, um, cool. Time's flown by, mate. We're we're down to the last point here, which is. What what the hell are you up to at the moment? Because you've been doing some co-coms on BBC Radio Norfolk with our with our dear friends Chris Gore and Rob Butler. How's that been for you? And what are you up to at the Mate, moment? Great guys, them too. Uh, really enjoy it. I've, so I finished um, coincided with the birth of one of my kids. Congratulations, um, by the way. And then and then me and my missus had another one in that time as well. So I've just had a couple of years at home with the family and just you know get, enjoying that time that you never get back, Revo. Cool, you've been busy, kids. mate. <laughs> I had to. to. <laughs> You've retired and you're tired. Oh, dear. Uh, but yeah, so I've been doing that. But I've enjoyed working with the lads. I've do, been working with BBC. I've been doing some work with BBC Radio Manchester, and then I got in, yeah. got put in touch with uh, BBC Norfolk, and I've I've loved yeah. doing the commentary with Norwich, and I think I'll do a few more of them this year. Oh, man. Well, I've really excited hearing your co-coms. I'm sure, I'm sure everyone that's listening to this would would agree the same thing. Mate, what are your ambitions for the next three, four, five years? Do you, do you know what you want to do? Uh, I want to get back into football in some capacity. Um, I started with my coaching badges, but I'm not sure that the coaching's for me. I think maybe more behind the scenes, whether it be you know, player recruitment or... Scouting quite sort of like, thing, yeah? I, yeah, yeah, scouting, t- talent ID or something along the lines. Maybe loan player management, you know, with what I've been through and the loan being so good for me. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, mentoring and be, and looking after those players when they go out getting first-team football for the first time. So something along that them lines, uh, working with young players or watching... Uh, and being involved in signings. That's what I think I'd like to do. Oh, brilliant. Well, mate, um, it's been an absolute pleasure and honour. I mean, we, I mean, I know what you're like. Me and you could could have a pint and we could go on forever and a day, but um, we're going to have to call it. We're going to have to call it here. Um, I just want to say a huge thank you. And um, for all of the TNC fans that are, that are listening to this right now, I hope you've enjoyed listening to uh, the Buzz Lightyear, sorry, not Buzz Lightyear, Lee Croft podcast. Um, <laughs> and we'll have to do another round two. And I, I'll, I'll endeavour to meet up with Crofty at some stage and we'll we'll do a face-to-face hey, Revo, podcast. Revo, you told me it'd be half an hour. And if I was, if it was any good, you'd keep me on for 40 minutes. That's been 40, <laughs> that's been, right, right, Crofty. That's right, Crofty. Don't start giving me shit. Give me one more story. Go on, go on. Give me a story. I want one more story mate, from I've you. Got, do you know what? I've got no more stories, mate. They're me three. You're joking. I can tell on, they're the three that I can tell right. on there, mate. Well, I've come, got off others, I, come off it. You're talking come off it. You ignore everyone else. You're talking to me here. Give me All one right, more Norwich City I've story. Seen, I've seen Nigel Worthington volley a ball at Dixon Atuhu and it hit him on the head, jokingly. And Dixon Atuhu chased Nigel Worthington no. and Colney and he wanted to kill him. Oh, man. <laughs> Lad, Nigel did the best sidestep I've ever seen and Dixon fell over and that made him even worse. 
Mate, mate. Nigel Everton should have been a rugby player, mate, I'll tell you. <laughs> oh, mate, you are brilliant. All right, well, I'm gonna, mate, I'm gonna have to end things here. You've, you've ended it on a cracker. Um, so yeah, that'll be that. Guys, thank you so much for listening. If you've got to the end, congratulations. I really appreciate it. Please make sure you subscribe to us on SoundCloud, on iTunes. Give us a review. If you're on Spotify, do the exact same thing. We're going to have another face-to-face podcast coming up. Really excited about that. Um, Crofty, one more final thing. Have you got a message for the Norwich fans? Well, no, just that I hope that, you know, hope they do well this year. Um, I think the football's been fantastic so far. I've really enjoyed watching them. I was at Anfield. Um, you know, on the opening night, watching them there, um, that was that was a great game, and the, you know the young lads were doing brilliant. And I just say, uh, yeah, just stick with them, and I'm sure I'm sure you'll be fine this year, and I'm sure you'll stay in the division, and hopefully you know they come from there. Appreciate it, Crofty. I'm going to let you finish this podcast. What is the famous Norwich City song? You have to say it. On the ball, city. Job done. I'm not singing it. <laughs> <laughs> Peace out. <laughs> See you in a bit, mate.